we chose the reading for the memorial of Our Lady of Lourdes because the readings go right into the heart of the role of Our Lady. First of all, in that first reading from the prophet Isaiah, what we hear today is not only that Jerusalem is to rejoice, but Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, is our church. The Jerusalem also is the mother of Jesus. So rejoice, Jerusalem, rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is giving you something beautiful, something special. He's giving you the gift of peace. As you know, peace is not something that just the absence of activity, but peace is the blessings, all the blessings that come from God. He wished to give you a peace that's like a river flowing, not something small, tiny, but that overwhelms you, that gives you joy, that makes you happy. You're protected, you're, you're, you're guarded. So I will spread prosperity over you like a river and the wealth of all nations like an overwhelming torrent. Because as nurslings, you shall be carried in her arms and fondled in her lap. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. In Jerusalem, we shall find you comfort. So we have this imagery of Jerusalem as a mother, as a mother holding on to her nurslings and carry, carrying her in the, in the arms. As a mother comforts her child, so comfort you. The role of our blessed mother to come to comfort us, to take her in her arms, to take care of us. And if we were to look at the Lords and the many places of apparitions of Our Lady, what do we have? Our Lady comes because wants to take care of us, remind us of what we should not do, especially turning away from sin. She reminding us what we should do, honor the Lord, to be with him, to transform ourselves so that we may be truly his servant. So it is this the role of Our Lady, which the scripture today speaks of, of being, being a truly a mother, taking care. But there's the other side of our ma motherhood of Our Lady today is in a, in a gospel itself, the first miracle, the first miracle of Jesus recorded as the Son of God, miracle as the Messiah. And what is this miracle? Changing water into wine. You know, sometimes people make little comments. Jesus wanted to make sure that the people were invited to the wedding, that they had a nice and enjoyable time, a little high perhaps with the new wine, delicious wine. But what we have here is, is Our Lady, she's the one notices they have no wine. They have no wine. We've got to take care of them. And Jesus says, my time has not come. My time to make public my ministry, my mission has not yet come. But Our Lady doesn't say anything except do whatever he tells you. She doesn't argue. She doesn't tell him his time should be now. But it is very significant in the Gospel of John where we have our, the role of Our Lady. It's a special role that she plays. She's the one who prepares the background. She's the one who prepares the people for the coming of the Son or manifestation of, of the grace that he offers. And so there we have Our Lady says, do whatever to the servant, do whatever he tells you. And so 
So what did he ask? Fill those jars. You know, those six stone jars which hold 20 or 30 gallons of water each. Those they were for ceremonial washings, baths. Fill them to the brim. Yes, they did. And so what happens is the water changes into wine because the Son of God is able to do that, to manifest that power and begins his public ministry by an invitation of Our Lady. You have to do something. Do something. Uh, we gather here because we honor Our Lady. And what does she do? She appears to a, to a 14-year-old girl, Bernadette, her sister, a friend. They don't exactly see things, but she does. And then for the next 18 times within a period of, 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 of you know, the apparitions, a lady appears. Of course, there's a special message that she offers to this poor, poor young girl, family. I am here for you. I am here for you. She's inviting us, all of us here today, not only her, to come to a place, to this cave. Yes, dig with your hands, dig, dig the, uh, into, the, into the mud, into the dirt, soil. And there appears that, that uh, found the spring, which is still very active today. Gallons and gallons come out each day of this water. What is the role of Our Lady? Why did she come to Lourdes? Why the spring of water? Why the, why the purifying baths? Why do millions of people come there each year? Why? Because the Lord manifested something to us through her. He manifested to us that he cares for us. He sends his mother as a witness to God's merciful love. He cares. And why so many people come? Because healing powers are given, offered to those who come. Not only those which were officially recognized by the hundreds of thousands of people each year when they come, or even millions of people who come and are renewed in their faith. They're renewed by God's grace through confession, through the Eucharist, through the beautiful processions, through prayer of rosary, to all the sick who are there walking, those who administer to them, those who take care of them, and, and then people from all, walk, all walks of life, military and others, everyone's there walking each evening, gathering for, for the Eucharist, gathering for prayer, gathering for the graces that flow. How many miracles the healings of the heart, conversions have taken place, countless. Nobody keeps track of them. But why? Because the Lord has given a special role to Our Lady that she may manifest His love and mercy, His great grace that is for us. And so there it is. She looks upon us like she looked upon her son who suffered who died. She looked with tender eyes, with tender love and, and merciful look. This is what she has done, but this is what she does to the people who come there. But it is 
through her that we come to understand that profound meaning of the, of the Lord's gift of, of, of his atoning sacrifice. He gave himself. He offered himself on our behalf. And so Our Lady is drawing people, drawing to come so that, that they may experience the gifts that God wishes to give us. What is the Lord doing there? What is the Lord doing there? He says that he has not forgotten us. He's pointing to the fact that he has, he has once came to this earth and that he was with us. It is the Lord's first, first coming among us, becoming incarnate. That's the visitation of God himself. God has come and our ladies coming more frequent, as we know through the apparitions of Our Lady throughout the world. She's pointing again to him that he's real, that he's there. He's there for us. He'll always be there for us. This is sacrifice that he offered on our behalf is valid and real and always will be. And that by that act, he's, he's making us sons and daughters of God himself. And she is the one, she's the co-worker in the ministry of salvation. She's the one, so she's inviting us. It was in 1991 that John Paul II established this World Day for the Sick on the, on the Feast of Our Lady. And today is the 30th anniversary of the celebration of that, of that day, 30th day. Some wondered why John Paul II established this day because he wanted to have something that will commemorate all of us are sick, sometimes, sometimes more severely, sometimes like especially during this pandemic, perhaps even more so than at, at, during different times. Yet, yet John Paul II wanted to place everyone under the protection of Our Lady under her protection, under her guidance. He wanted to establish this day when many millions of people come who are ill, who seek healing from Our Lady, and he would wish to have this day to be prayed not only for those who are sick, but also for all the healthcare workers, for all those who take care of them. People don't remember them. But John Paul II, when he established this world of, oh, for, the, for the sick, he wanted to make sure that everyone is being brought to God in prayer to be remembered, to be acknowledged, to be appreciated, so that they may likewise receive additional grace, which they need, because healthcare workers are the ones who strain themselves, who stretch themselves out for others. They, they especially, I know we know that through this pandemic, which is so true, and even many died in the service of others. And so this year, in a special way, um, the church commemorates, and, and it was Pope Francis who said today, uh, he spoke uh, 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 this past Wednesday at the, for the general audience, and he said, you know, John Paul II established this day to encourage the people, God, Catholic health institutions, and civil society to be increasingly attentive to the sick and to those who care for them. The theme for this year, Pope Francis established for this World Day of Sick, be merciful even as your Father is merciful, standing beside those who suffer on the path of charity. 
Now, again, he spoke during this Wednesday audience. He says that Pope Francis wished to remember our dear sick people so that all may be assured of health care and spiritual accompaniment. Let us pray for these brothers and sisters of ours, for their families, for health care and pastoral care workers, and for all those who care for them. Because I, on this day, I wish each one to imitate the Blessed Virgin in her full availability to divine call. May her example and her intercession be an incentive to strengthen your witness to the gospel. I wish that each one, especially those who are healthcare providers, healthcare workers, those that, that you will imitate Our Lady to be completely available to divine will. As you know, Blessed Mother said, may your will be done. And then also he says that the patient is always more important than his illness. And this is why any therapeutic approach cannot neglect listening. How can we not recall in this regard the many patients who during pandemic live in isolation? And even when healing is not possible, care can always be given. It is always possible to console. It's always possible to make people sense a closeness that is more, inter that is more interested in a person than in his or her pathology. The emphasis here, as we all know, and this is why the, we gather for this conference today. Every year, this is the 17th year for Health Care Professionals for Divine Mercy Conference. The focus is on person. It's a personal care. It's an integrated program because we as human beings have different dimensions. We have the physical body. We have our soul. We have our spirit. We have emotions that we have to take care. We have the, the, uh, the different aspects, components of who we are. So it, yes, it's possible to have healthcare conferences, which emphasize the medical aspect, the aspect of science. It's possible to have. It is also possible to have conferences which deal only with bioethics and medical ethics, and they are. And there's also conferences that speak with spirituality, spirituality, uh, especially divine mercy spirituality. But 17 years ago together with Maria Romagnano and us as a community, we gathered and wanted to have an integrated program, which includes both science, medicine, bioethics, medical ethics, and spirituality, and kind of put it together. We were not, we were a little bit afraid, will, will that be accredited? Because you have to have accreditation. So by university, hospitals, organizations, or, and, and, and we ask for accreditation. Thank, thanks to Marie Romagnano, she pursued it and, and proposed all the, all the topics, all the, uh, you know, the summary of all the, all the, uh, of the conference speakers and everything else. And so what happened is, lo and behold, the Lord provided for us, they're accredited for as many as 16, 15, 16, or even like 20 continuing education credits for nurses, CMEs, for, for doctors and allied personnel. And so we were privileged so much to have these things offered for, for the people, for healthcare professionals, but also for others who wish to join. 
because this integrated program speaks of who we are as people and then empowering the healthcare professionals that they become not only special experts in medical field, which is necessary, but also experts in personal presence, touch, to be also experts in providing spiritual care because it's nurses who often, doctors sometimes who are at the bedside and they look at each person not only that person needs the physical attention, medical attention, but how often heart that is, that is this wounded heart that is filled with fear. So there's so a nurse that can say, would you wish that I would pray with you? Or would you wish that I would contact pastoral care for you? Or would you wish that I contact your, your, uh, your uh, pastor or so, if I know the parish or so? It's, it is one of those things that is so important that the person who is ill, as Pope Francis says, we don't focus on the pathology, but we focus on the person who is in need, who is not doing well, who needs to care. And so this is why we have these conferences. Yes, uh, this is 17th year for the one which is held here in New England. We also had conferences in Cleveland, Florida and California, other places, but but right now, last year and this year, what we have is virtual. Maybe next year we can gather and, and I'd love to see the many people who come because see, during, during our conference, you know what we do? In addition to all the wonderful talks, speakers, alongside we have two or three priests who cure confessions at the same time. We start with Eucharist, Mass, or we conclude with, with prayers of prayer and mass and confessions, everything, and it's all part and parcel of our conference. So virtual conferences are kind of are a little bit impoverished. They give intellectual reflections and perhaps these spiritual inspired talks, but it doesn't, we don't, we're not able to provide everything. And finally today, I'd like to pay even brief tribute to Father Seraphim on the first anniversary of his, of his passing away. He died a year ago exactly on the feast of Our Lady. And I have to say this, it's a little personal story, but on this feast a year ago, I woke up, you know, a little bit earlier than I usually do. I don't know why. And I said, Blessed Mother, I want you to take care of Father Seraphim today. It's a special feast day. He loved you. He's a Marian of the Immaculate Conception. And, and he says, I want you to take care of him in a special way. And and uh, and I don't know why in my brain because I usually don't ask such questions. But this this time a question popped up in my head and said, "Okay, well, how will I know that you're taking care of her?" I don't ask these questions. I know that if I ask Blessed Mother or, or Lord, I just leave it in their department to take care however they wish. But in this case, this question popped my, in my head, and I said, "Why am I thinking that way?" But nonetheless, a second. Uh, thought came. He says, well, I would know that you'd take care of him if his oxygen was 97, you know, because his oxygen was very low because of COVID. So he's low in low 90s. And, and so I, I, this came up and I just left it alone. Okay. But I continued to pray and, and then, but lo and behold, before noon, I got a call from Marie that she says, out of blue, I didn't ask her anything. I didn't tell her anything. It was a secret thing in my heart in this conversation with our lady. And, and, uh, and she says to me, the nurse just informed me that Father Seraphim's oxygen level is 97. 
Okay, I said, okay, blessed mother, I guess you're taking care of him. And yet by the evening, his situation turned for the worse, and, and, but not before we were able to pray for him, prayed chaplet, rosary, not before we prayed, I prayed the, the prayers for the, uh, the, the, you know, the apostolic pardon prayers for the remission of sins, for the remission of all the consequences to sin, and not before he received the Eucharist 30 minutes before he died. So I think that she took care of him and it was possible that all these things took place. And, and uh, there was a beautiful conclusion to his life because in the first place, he almost died, he almost drowned early in his life as an infant. Then he joined our community. He was a man of prayer. He loved Our Lady. He loved the Eucharist, was a priest of God, very faithful. And he loved Divine Mercy, where he was introduced early in his life. He was an interesting character, I have to say, because he did many things, and everything that he did, he did well. He helped many. He didn't consider himself of any importance. He felt that he didn't do anything. But he was always where the Lord wanted him because sometimes I felt like, where did you find this book? Well, in some dinky little airport, which had a tiny, tiny uh, store. And how did you find this book on, on biblical studies or some Hebrew traditions or so in the temple traditions? It didn't make sense to me because you know those little places would never have, but he was always where he's supposed to be and he, whatever he needed, somehow the Lord provided for him. As you know, he was the postulator for North American Congress, I mean, postulator for, for the causes of St. Faustina's canonization. He was also participant in, in the NACOM World Upstart Congress on Mercy. He was someone who not only prepared uh, the, uh, the, the both cases, the miracles that were attributed to the intercession of, of, of uh, St. Faustina, they prepared for her canonization. He was very much part and parcel of everything that took place when it comes to divine mercy, but it helped to publish the diaries in different languages. He always seemed to be there. He was actually participating in three award-winning films, movies on divine mercy. So, I mean, he was like a, you know, truly a Renaissance person when it comes to faith. But what I wanted to say is that he was very much at the foundation of the healthcare professionals for divine mercy, because it is, Marie had this brilliant idea and, and she didn't know what to do with it. So his father says, well, let's look at it. And she says, well, how, how is this supposed to be? And he says, don't you know that you are, as a nurse, you are the merciful presence of Jesus for every, uh, every person, every patient. You bring, through your presence, through your words, through your hands, through everything that you do, you are the merciful presence of our Lord. You are the, the presence of, of love, for the person that you're there for. And so you, you, have, you have this capacity, whether you realize or not, Jesus is in you. 
Jesus is the one who guides you. He's the one, if you allow yourself to be guided, he will take care through you, the people who are in need. So God will provide that for you. And so Marie got excited. And we finally, a book came out first, first draft of the book, Nursing with the Hands of Jesus. Subsequently, it had several editions. Now it's the fourth edition, an expanded edition. But the conference came as a result of that. Somehow the Lord provided, everything fell into place. It received the approval. It, it had originally, it had many speakers from Harvard and, and, you know, and Massachusetts, Massachusetts University Hospital and the different associations of nurses, nursing Rhode Island and others. Then, then we were invited to participate in, in, in the Holy See Vatican's conferences also uh, on healthcare for healthcare and healthcare workers. We had a speaker, the president of the, at that time of the, that pontifical council was also present at our conferences to give us full support of what we're doing because of that integrated nature, because of that, that desire to help people. And so I know I'm speaking perhaps a little longer, but today, but, but it is, it is a tribute to Father Seraphim, but it is a tribute to the, to the incredible providential love of God that he has for us. God is with us. He sent his son to us to redeem us. He sent his son so that we would manifest the father's love for each person to have, that we would be aware of who we are and our call and our destiny, that we are not only here on earth for the short time, but we have something to look forward. We receive hope for eternal life, for eternal glory. We receive this gift through the Son of God who died for us. And not only that, but he has initiated gifts, all the gifts that we have, initiated the gifts of sacraments, whereby he's with us, where he comes into our heart. We're not abandoned, we're not alone. He gives us the power, the transforming power of the Eucharist. Baptist, other sacraments, he gives us the gift of the church that continues to proclaim the gospel, that continues to offer all these special gifts, extraordinary gifts of, 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 of div divine transforming powers to us. That's what he gives us. That is, that is for a healing, healing of our bodies, healing our souls, healing our spirit, everything that we need from God. And, but you see the world today, as you know, is not that simple because it's kind of secular environment is blocking it. It doesn't need God. It has his own solutions, his way of doing things and also creating lots of problems with it too, offering something that's good, but not always. And so what we have is God himself entering our world through the visits and visitation of Our Lady. And she comes to us, that she reminds us of who we are to be, how we are to serve the Lord, how we are to receive healing and grace. So may then this day today, the special day where we honor Our Lady of Lourdes, honor the World Day for the sick and healthcare providers, but also a special day in honor of Father Seraph on the first anniversary of his death May we be today empowered by everything God has prepared for us, not only for this day, but for whole life. 
that we would say yes to God. Give me everything that you have prepared. I want to, I want to use these gifts for others. I want to help others to come to know you, love you, serve you, to be with you, to prepare themselves for eternity and allowing ourselves to be, to be truly the recipient so we can pass on the gifts to others. And in this way, we will multiply the blessings, the grace that comes from God through his son, from God the Father to his son. For he was the one who said yes to the Father. He invited Blessed Mother to say yes so that he may become the mother of the Son of God. And he's inviting us that we likewise would say, let it be done to me according to your word. Because your gifts of salvation is without limits. And you want everyone to be with you in heaven. May Our Lady intercede for us. May St. John Paul II intercede for us. May We may ask Seraphim to pray for us as we pray for him. Because we know for those who pass away, the, bond, the bonds of love are never broken. So we can ask each other to pray. And may we one day share the glory in paradise. That, is, that will be our joy, which will last forever. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.